Okay. All right, the second bell has rung. Supposed to be in your seats, ready to go. You know, I was in a church. This has been 40, 43, 40 years, 40-something years ago. And they gave everybody a knife and a fork and a napkin. And you had to put the napkin up here, you know. And then you, you were supposed to sit there with your knife and fork ready to devour the word. <laughs> it was funny. But, you know, that'd be kind of good. Yeah, man, everybody. So, anyway, we're now ready for Greg Moore. Greg is just a great blessing. I first met Greg and Janice back, I don't know if, if you came to the minister's conference first or if I went to your church first. I went to their church in 1991. You know, that's been a while. That's been, what, 22 years ago. And they just had an awesome, awesome church. And then they've been to our minister's conferences many times. They came to our very, the very first minister's conference they came to, and I'll I may get the uh, details wrong. He can straighten it out. But I think they had a $9 million lawsuit that they were going through, and they were just stressed out. And they came to the minister's conference, and we had joy just hit the place. And they got to laugh. And then his wife, if you've never heard his wife laugh, you could hear her over every person in this whole thing. She's got the funniest laugh. She got to laughing. Greg got to laughing. And he had longer hair back then. And when he was laughing, his hair was all the way down to his chin. You couldn't even see his face. And they laid on the floor for hours. But you know what? They got set free of that burden. And, man, they have just been a blessing to us. And now he's uh, actually running or helping run part of our third-year program, the uh, ministry track. And Greg has just been a tremendous asset and blessing to us. And so this is Greg Moore from our third-year program. Thanks, Greg. Well, this has been a great conference so far, hasn't it? Man, yesterday, things that we learned at campus days, we learned how to, uh, uh, how, how to eliminate a mediocre life and a mediocre wife. <laughs> From Paul Milligan. <laughs> Praise God. Just come, just come to Karis. <laughs> Hallelujah. I went home and told my wife about that. And, of course, Paul and Patsy were in our church for several years, he was a he was an elder in our church, and and I uh, said, man, I, he 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 told us one that we'll never forget, amen. But it's a blessing here. I direct the third year school of ministry. I think school of ministry is the best. <laughs> That's all my school of ministry students. Uh, actually, uh, each each of these third year schools are designed to help you become laser focused in your gifts and calling. And man, that's what we're, in fact, I tell people that, uh, you know, you're pregnant with something. God's, God's birthed something in you. And when you come to uh, first and second year, you're, you're going to become awakened to what you're pregnant to. And we're going we're gonna to expose you to enough, uh, various types of ministry and, and get you trained and focused. So something is going to make your baby leap. Amen. And I had one of my third-year students present her third-year, uh, her ministry idea that, that God had put in her heart, which, by the way, is a powerful idea that we're going to see. It's going to bless uh, the, the nations, I believe. And, and um, 
she got, in fact, we, we break up in, into groups. Her, her ministry idea was one of the ones that were, was chosen, and, and we, do, we work on developing a strategy to actually launch that ministry upon graduation. This isn't just about theory. Are you hearing me? We're about you fulfilling the call of God in your life. Well, she finished sharing about that, and she said, I think my water broke. <laughs> Praise God. Man, man, that's good. I'll tell you what, that's awesome. Praise the Lord. So, uh, so you have all kind. We have all kinds of things happen here. Maybe you come and be a midwife for someone else, uh, ministry. But uh, we, we're we're having we're having a great time at, at Karis Bible College. Um, I want to I want to um, talk to you this morning about the finished work of the cross. The finished work of the cross and the unfinished work of the church. The finished work of the cross and the unfinished work of the church. Aren't you thankful for the finished work of the cross? The goal of Karis Bible College is to establish you in the message of the finished work of the cross and train you to identify and fulfill your part in the unfinished work of the church. Yeah? And that's what we're going to do here. We've got fruit. We've got over 1,900 graduates already out serving God all over. But I'm telling you what, there's much more work to do. And we're going to get into that message. But a couple of things first. I've got a book. It's the best healing book I've ever written. (laughs) It's the only one, too. (laughs) But this tells you how different methods. The, the, uh, The Lord doesn't just heal by one method, and he doesn't always use the same method every time. One time it was uh, stretch out your hand, another time take up your bed, another time go wash in the pool of Siloam, another time, you know, go show yourself to the priest, so on. Well, this helps you with the, with the various methods to receive healing. If you need healing in your body, and, uh, and you are one of our guests, and you will read this book, apply it in your life, and then pass it on to someone else, I'll give this to you today. Where are you at? All right, ma'am, right here. Just come on up here. All right, and I speak healing, resurrection life to you, revelation of the word to you, and, and ministry. You've got a healing ministry, ma'am. The enemies come to try to steal from you, but listen, listen, listen. When the enemy, look, could, could, a, could a thief come to your house today while you're here, God forbid, and steal $100,000 cash? How come? You don't have it there. You got it, I, know, I know you've got it in the bank, but you, but you don't have it at home. Okay? So a thief, when he comes to your house, he's, he's already scoped it out. He knows he's not going to take the risk unless you've got what he's coming for, right? Okay, listen. The thief comes to what? Steal, kill, and destroy. So when he comes to your body with sickness to try to steal your health, listen, the fact that the thief has come proves that you've got it. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Say, I've got it. I mean, why would the thief come to your house if you didn't have it? Amen. He brings doubt to your mind. You know, you ought to doubt your doubts. won't charge anything for that. <laughs> All right. Um, let me just tell you one funny. Is that okay? 
I'm going to anyway. <laughs> a young woman teacher with obvious liberal tendencies explains to her class of small children that she's an atheist. She asks her class if they're atheists too. Not really knowing what atheism is, but wanting to be like their teacher, their hands explode in the air like, like fireworks. There is, however, one exception, a beautiful little girl named Lucy. And she's not gone, on, she's not gone along with the crowd. The teacher asked her why she decided to be different. She said, because I'm not an atheist. Then the teacher said, well, what are you? She said, well, I'm a Christian. The teacher is a little perturbed now. Her, her face slightly red. She asked Lucy why she's, she's a Christian. Well, because I was brought up knowing and loving Jesus. My mom is a Christian. My dad is a Christian. So I'm a Christian. The teacher's now very angry. She said, that's no reason. What if your mom was a moron and your dad was a moron? What would you be then? She paused and smiled and said, well, then I guess I'd be an atheist. Out of the mouth of babes. All right. There's a balance between understanding and having revelation about the finished work of the cross and understanding our part in the unfinished work of the church. Are you with me? I mean, man... Ephesians 1, 2, and 3 reveal so many benefits that each of us has as a result of Jesus' finished work on the cross. Ephesians 1, 3, I'm blessed with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places in Christ, which includes, by the way, healing and provision. Uh, Ephesians 1, 4, I'm chosen in Him. Say, I'm chosen. I'm, chosen. Uh, I'm, I'm holy and without blame. Say, I'm holy. I'm holy. Without blame. uh, Verse 5, I'm adopted as a son of God. Say, I'm a son of God. God. Uh, uh, Verse 6, this this verse set me free from a spirit of rejection or a rejection mentality in my life. I'm accepted in the beloved. Say, I'm accepted in the beloved. Verse 7, I have redemption through his blood. The forgiveness of sins. Past, present, and future. I have wisdom and understanding. Verse 8. I know the mystery of His will. Verse verse 9. I I have an inheritance and purpose. Verse 10. I'm I'm sealed by the Holy Spirit. My spirit cannot be contaminated. Hallelujah. Man, I'm preaching myself happy today. Wow. I have access to... To the Father through Him, right? Wow, man, I mean, I was dead and I I was made alive who who was dead in trespasses and sins. I'm seated together in heavenly places in Christ. That's chapter 2, verse 6. I'm a saint. Hallelujah. I don't have to wait. They don't have to canonize me, man. I'm canonized already. I'm a saint. Say, I'm a saint. I'm not an ain't. I'm the whole. I'm a holy temple. I'm the temple of God. 
I'm rooted and grounded in love. And I know the love of Christ that passes knowledge. Man, I mean, just understanding that, guys. Man, you're home free. The devil doesn't know what to do with you. He's scared to death of somebody who's got a revelation of what we have in Christ because of what he's done for us at the finished work on the finished work of the cross. Amen. Praise God for his finished work that that has nothing to do with works uh, but has everything my works has everything to do with his works. Let me give you an example of a of this uh, through just a uh, story by, uh, about Dennis the Menace. You guys remember Dennis the Menace? Okay, Dennis the Menace and his friend Joe, their friend Joey, they left Mrs. Wilson's house, you know, I mean, loaded down with cookies. I mean, they were just, I mean, they had more cookies than they could carry and, and, they were, and, and put them in their wagon. And man, Joey's, while they're going, they're leaving with their, you know, their stash of cookies. And, and Joey turns to, turns to uh, Dennis and he said, he said, um, wow, what did we do to deserve all Mrs. Wilson baking all these cookies for us? And Dennis turns and describes uh, a modern day analogy of grace. He said, he said, Miss Joey, Mrs. Wilson didn't bake those cookies because we're so nice. She baked all those cookies and gave them to us because she's so nice. Amen? And the grace of God is like that, isn't it? I mean, all the things that we have in Christ, all the things He's done for us has nothing to do with our works. We can't work for it. We can't earn it. I mean, it's because God is good. Amen? Man, and, and, but we, and I, none of us deserves it, do we? If you think you deserve it, man, you're deceived. But now I want you to turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 1. I want to talk a little bit about the finished work of the cross, and then I want to talk about the unfinished work of the church. 1 Corinthians 1 and verse 17. I'm just going to read from the New King James and just read several verses uh, there, and we'll come back and just make a few comments on it for uh, beginning of verse 17. For Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel, not with uh, wisdom of words, lest the what? The cross of Christ should be made of no, none effect. So is it possible for what Jesus did at the cross to be made of none effect in our lives? It is. And I'm going to show you why as we read down here the two little guys that you've got to watch out for in your life that can cause the cross of Christ and the benefits of the finished work of, of the cross to be of none effect in your life. For the message of the cross is foolishness, verse 18, to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it's the power of God. For it's, it is written, I will destroy the uh, wisdom of the wise, bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent. Where is the wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the disputer of this age? Has not God made the uh, foolish the wisdom of this world? For since in the wisdom of God, the world through wisdom did not know God, it pleased God through the foolishness of the message. What message? The message of the finished work of the cross. Uh, that we, have no, we can't earn it. 
We can't, it's not anything we've done to receive it. It has everything to do with what he's done for us, right? What Andrew preached and taught last night. Um, pre, uh, the message preached to save uh, those who believe for the Jews. Everybody say the Jews. The Jews request a sign and the Greeks, everybody say the Greeks, seek after wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified to the Jews, a stumbling block to the Greeks' foolishness, but to those who are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God, because the foolishness of God is wiser than men and weakness of God is stronger than men. There are two primary categories of people or thought processes that represent these two types of people that can cause the, cause the power of the cross, the message of the cross, the finished work of the cross to become of none effect in our lives. Number one, the Jews, the Pharisee, the Pharisees who, who try to relate to God by their own works. What Andrew was talking about last night, about, you know, basically getting spiritual notches on his spiritual belt for all the people he was winning to the Lord and how he had that, uh, you know, visitation from the Lord, uh, March. When was it? I know it was 1968, March what? 23rd, 1968. Anyway, so you had that, well, it was his visit, visitation, not mine. So, uh, but, it, but God showed him all of the things he was doing to try to get approval from God were just like, it was filthy rags. It was worse than, you know, than, than living a licentious or lascivious life, you know, or uh, immoral life. Those who try to relate to God by their own works and, and holiness instead of Jesus' righteousness. Now, it offends Pharisees when you tell them that their works cannot earn them favor or approval with God and don't make them right with God. It offends Pharisees when you tell them and give them this nearly too good to be true message that God loves the sinner and the saint alike. I mean, it offends them. Yeah? This message of the cross is offensive and a stumbling block to the Pharisee because people can receive from God by mercy instead of their works. That's awesome, isn't it? Any of us today who attempt to receive from God because of good deeds that we do might as well be praying to the Father in their name. Father, I come to you today in the mighty name of Barry. In the wonderful name of Gary. In the beautiful name of Andrew. In the lovely name of Stephen. In the powerful name of Ashley. What are you going to receive from that? You've just made, you've just made the message of the finished work of, cross, of the cross of none effect in your life. You don't receive from God and that's what we're doing. When we're approaching God for healing or whatever, and, in, and in we're conscious of what we've done, you, know, you're not pre- you can say the name of Jesus, but you're not praying in your name. I mean, you're not praying in Jesus' name. You say his name, but you're really praying your name because you're presenting what you've done or what you haven't done. And that's, that's, that's Pharisee. That's a little Pharisee that you need to run out of your life. 
Amen? But now, you know, today, um, we we've, we've get that pretty much. I mean, we've heard that. And, I mean, we need to keep and continually preach that and teach that. But then there's this other little guy, this little Greek, the philosopher, the self-righteous through intellectual pride. They believe that natural solutions are better than spiritual. They exalt knowledge and understanding and education above all else. This is humanism and the carnal mind that will never agree with the virgin birth, with Jesus walking on water, with Jesus being raised from the dead, with miracles, turning water, uh, Jesus turning water into wine, any of that. You know, it, you, you, it, they have to run, the, the Greek or the philosopher has to run all these things in the Bible through his, through his peanut brain. <clears throat> Are you listening to me? So the message of the cross is foolishness to the Greek or the philosopher. To the Greek, his understanding is Lord, not Jesus. And he can, listen, you, I, I know some Greeks who are saved, who are born again, but they, but they allow their understand. They wait till they understand everything before they'll commit to anything. Are you with me? In our culture, the Greek mindset affects us more than the Jewish mindset. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not to your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him, and He shall direct your path. Speaks to the philosopher with intellectual pride. You cannot wrap your peanut brain around Jesus walking on water or raising dead people or God raising him from the dead or healing people outside of, you know, medical help. And I thank God for all, all medicine and they're not fighting against, against healing. I'm just saying, you know, it, it's like the philosopher has to run everything through his peanut brain. And I'm here today, today to tell you that you cannot you will not experience the power of the, of the uh, message of the finished work of Christ until you let God roast your peanut. <laughs> Even here at school, we have people come and they've, you know, they, if they don't understand it perfectly, if they don't have, don't have it all figured out, you're never going to get it all figured out. I mean, there's finally comes a day you got to commit to something. You 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 heard the uh, of the of the famous uh, Walendas, uh, who were uh, the trapeze artist with uh, ring uh, with ringing Ringling Brothers Barnum and Bailey Circus. Uh, Papa Walenda would train new trapeze uh, potential trapeze uh, artist trainees. He would train them by putting a net down and um and and then he would allow them to you know you know come and and leave this be on this trapeze and they'd leave that one and try to catch the other one and boom they'd hit the net they tried again and boom they'd hit the net they tried again and boom they hit the net and four or five times maybe one time they'd catch the other trap other uh trapeze or whatever that is is that what it is <laughs> whatever it is anyway so he would he after after four or five times hitting the hitting the net, 
He said, now, son, you want to learn how to do this? Or daughter, you want to learn how to do this? Yeah, Papa, well, Linda, we want, we want to know how to do it. You guys want to know how to do it? He said, you throw your heart into the ring and your body will follow. You throw your heart into the ring and your body will follow. The Greek never throws its heart into anything. If you want the power, well, let me just say this, depending on, depending on your intellect will negate the power of the cross. And if you want the power of the cross working in your life, in fact, if, if Daniel will allow me one day at healing school, I'm just going to teach this because this is, this is what keeps many people today from receiving healing, Daniel, is they, they try to figure out healing with their natural mind. If you want the power of the cross, including healing and provision and all these other things working in your life, then you need to let God roast your peanut. I'm not so concerned about the Pharisee and the philosopher around you as I am about the Pharisee and philosopher within you. And if you want the if you want, how many of you believe in the, in the message of the power of the cross? This wonderful, nearly too good to be true news that we can't do anything to earn our healing, our forgiveness, anything from God. Man, aren't you thankful for that message? Well, listen, if you want, if you want to learn that, you need to, run, you need to run two little guys out of your head. You need to run that Pharisee and that philosopher out. Run them out, keep them out, amen? And you, and you need to just, just receive the grace of God, the love of God. That, By the way, the peace of God and the love of God, uh, it says in, in Philippians chapter 4 and, and, um, and Ephesians chapter 3, it surpasses our knowledge and our understanding. Yeah? Hallelujah. The finished work of the cross, guys. You need to send that little Jew and that little Greek packing. Amen? Now let's talk a little bit about the unfinished work of the church. There, there are some people who have been teaching today a message of grace that is not grace at all. It's not grace. It's a false grace message. It lumps all works together and labels all works as law. Thank you for your thunderous applause. It leads to passivity, inactivity, and laziness. This is not the Word of God, and it's not the gospel of grace. Grace is multidimensional and includes the divine empowerment to serve God and obey, as Andrew was talking about. You know, some people that have, a, have this false message of grace, if they were Elijah, they said, well, God loves me anyway. Whether I go to the brook Cheroff, I think I want to go to the brook Sihon. That's where I want to go. Well, you can just go to Sihon and die on. That's what you can do. No, you, 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 we, look, guys, if the, look, let, let me, let me put it this way. Let me explain it to you like this. All right. Um, Jesus, it, it, it's understanding the balance between Jesus is my friend and Jesus is my Lord. Okay, look, Andrew is my friend. Andrew and Jamie and Janice and I have been friends for 22 years, but now he's also my boss. And I don't, you know, I don't assume on him or presume on him because we're friends that I don't have to do what he's asking me to do. 
In fact, I, I, I'm careful about if he wants me to do, and if he wants me to do something, then I'm, I'm going to do it. I'm going to try to make it happen even if I don't agree with it. In fact, you, look, guys, we need to learn. Jesus learned submission through the things he, and obedience to the things he suffered. And that doesn't mean sickness and disease. It means doing what somebody who's an authority asks you to do that you don't want to do. Jesus wanted to stay when he was 12 years old, expounding the work of the Father and what God had revealed to him to the people in the temple. But when his parents came, it said he submitted himself and he went on. And it also says then after that, that he grew in wisdom and stature and favor, which also means the grace of God. Do you know you can receive more or less of God's grace? And, and here, you know, so when it comes to Jesus, he's my friend. Yeah, he's my friend, but he's also my Lord. And there are times when he tells me to do something, he doesn't have time to coddle me, pat me on the back and tell me, you know, I love you. He, there's somebody who needs me to go where he's telling me to go so he can demonstrate that love to someone else. And if our understanding of grace ends with us, it's a dead sea and it's immature. And yeah, you can go to heaven. I don't mean it's not a heaven or hell issue, but it might be for someone else. Good preaching, Pastor Greg. Hallelujah. Now, in order to live in the balance of the finished work of the, uh, of the cross and the unfinished work of the church, we've got to make a distinction between works that are done as the root of righteousness and those that are done as the fruit of righteousness. Let me give you a couple of examples. Ephesians chapter 2. Look over there. Ephesians 2. Ephesians 2, verse 8 and 9. For by grace you've been saved through faith, not, not of yourselves. Aren't you thankful for that? It's a gift of God, not of what? Not of works, lest any man should boast. These works here, where it says not of works, these are works that are done to try to produce the root of righteousness. And that's the works that are filthy rags and that we don't do anymore. Yeah? Because we, we can't add anything to what Jesus has done. We can't be any more righteous. Amen? We know that. We've learned that. Andrew's taught us that well. But, you know, notice this. You know, in Andrew's message last night, he talked about, you know, how he was doing all these things to try to earn approval from God and all this. And then when he had that visitation on March 23rd, 1968, after that, notice he didn't stop witnessing. No. You know, now I think, well, what did you say? You did it every Tuesday and Thursday or something. And now he's doing it all the time, everywhere. But he's doing it because he wants to. He's doing it out of love. He's not doing it out of obligation or fear that if he doesn't do it, he's not approved of God. But listen, guys, there is work that we're to do after we're saved. It doesn't make us saved. But I tell you what, it may be the difference between someone else being saved. We don't live unto ourselves, guys. We've got a work to do. Amen? And so, that, but now look at verse 10. Verse 10, For we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works. Everybody say, for good works. For good works. That God prepared be, 
beforehand that we should walk in them. See, there are good works that are the fruit of our salvation and righteousness, not the root. So, you know, some people in preaching a message of grace today, that that the word work is a dirty four-letter word. But there's work to do. You just need to make the distinction, is it the the fruit of righteousness or the root of righteousness? Amen? I tell you, I've been busy since I've come here. (laughs) I mean, there's a lot to do. When I went to Uganda with Andrew, there wasn't much grass that grew between his feet. I mean, he's, he's staying busy. And then I got to stay busy with him. And then... (laughs) <laughs> and then we're on the fifth floor of this hotel in Uganda. And Andrew said, well, Greg, are you supposed to go with me? I said, yeah. He said, well, I don't use the elevator. <laughs> and there we're on, the, he's on the, we're on the fifth floor four times a day. Count it. Man, hallelujah. It was awesome. <laughs> So don't think, don't think that there's not work to do. Look at Titus. <laughs> Just staying up with Andrew, man. <laughs> Just keeping up with him. Keep you busy. Titus chapter uh, 3. Let's look at that. Titus 3. We're just trying to make a distinction here between, there's a difference between works that are, that are done as a root of our righteousness and works that are a fruit. Anybody that just lumps all works together and, in, and then accuses you, if you say the word work, that you're a legalist or, you know, that, that, it's just, they don't, get, they don't get it. They got half the message. We're not, to, we're not saved uh, and given a divine ticket to passivity, laziness, and inactivity. There's work to do. There's, there, there are nations to reach. There are cities to take this wonderful, nearly true good to be true message of the finished work of the cross that we must take there. Amen? We've got to do it. Say, I've got to do it. Titus chapter 2 and verse 3. For we ourselves were also once foolish, disobedient, deceived, serving various lusts and pleasures, living in malice, envy, hateful and hating one another. But when the kindness and love of God, uh, love of God our Savior toward man appeared, not by works, everybody say not by works, not by works of righteousness which we have done, that's the works done as the root of righteousness. But according to His mercy, He saved us through the washing of regeneration, renewing of the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out upon us abundantly through Jesus Christ. That verse 7, having been justified by grace. Everybody say justified. By grace. Say I'm justified. By grace. Not my works. To the whole, according to the hope of eternal life. So man, most people, that's where their message of grace ends. But notice the Apostle Paul who taught us about grace didn't end there. Look at verse 8. This is a faithful saying, and these things I want to affirm to you constantly that those who have believed in God. How many of you believed in God? How many of you are justified, not by your works, but by His grace? Amen. So He's talking to you. Should be careful to maintain what? Wow. 
You mean we're supposed to work? Is work a dirty four-letter word? No, you just need to, you know, look, you need to be wise and rightly divide the word of truth. That's why you need to come to Karis. When Andrew and I were in Uganda, um, Pastor, uh, what was the, uh, the uh, Pastor Herbert at this large church that we were at, Andrew was preaching at, he got up before Andrew spoke and he, and he, gave, he shared about this message about, uh, from 2 Samuel 18 about these two messengers. And these two messengers, one of the messengers only had part of the message. And he heard the message about, I mean, he saw that there was a tumult and there was a lot of problems and, and they saw that Absalom was captured, but he didn't know the result. And he ran on ahead. Do you remember the story? And then another messenger who waited until he got the full message. He came later. And when the first messenger came, he didn't know the whole entire answer. So David pushed him aside and waited for the other messenger to come and who had the whole message. What we do here at Karis Bible College is we help, we help you get established in the whole message. <clears throat> There's a lot of people that are running with half a message. They're half-baked. And they're no good. They, don't, they can't fulfill their purpose. We want you to be established in the, finished, in the message of the finished work of the cross. But also understand, there's work yet to do. Yeah? <clears throat> and so here, verse 8 These are works that are the fruit of righteousness. Can you see that? There's a difference. There's a distinction between works that are the root and works that are the fruit of righteousness. And our works of faith and obedience from our love for Jesus and love for others, they don't earn us any more love or approval from God, but it does affect how men see God. True? 1 Peter 2, verse 12, having your conduct honorable, among the Gentiles, that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may by your what? Good works. Everybody say good works. By, their, by your good works, which they observe, glorify God in the day of visitation. Matthew five sixteen essentially says the same thing. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. There, look, guys, our works are important. Our obedience is important. It doesn't earn us more favor or less favor with God if we don't. What it does is it has opportunity to impact people and get people this wonderful message. And, and here's what I'm going to tell you today. Everyone here, the Lord has need of you. The Lord needs you out in the field. The Lord needs you modeling good works, but also sharing the right message. He needs you. <clears throat> he needs you, sir. Right here. Where are you at? Let's look, wave at me. Right there. Yeah, well, you're chewing gum. He, he needs you. Okay, stand up. Listen. <clears throat> the power of God is on your life. The calling of God 
is on your life. There are people that God has ordained you to reach that no one else will reach. What you do matters. Your life is significant and you cannot, you've got to take off the glasses of your experience and your failures and, and the, the false starts and the other things in your life and you must see God's got a purpose for you and if you'll say yes to him, he'll launch you into that purpose. You tried to do it on your own and it hasn't worked. And I'm telling you, God's got a call and a purpose for you. And if you depend on His grace, it'll happen. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. Listen, you, some of you out there can take that same word. That word was not just for Him. How many of you take it? Amen. Praise God. There are works, guys, that come from grace. Say it again. There are works that come from grace. And, by the way, that produce reward. 1 Corinthians 15.10. I'm just going to read some of these. But by the grace of God, this is the Apostle Paul, I am what I am. And His grace, everybody say His grace. His grace toward me was not in vain, but I labored. How did I keep the grace of God toward me from being in vain? I labored. I labored. Say, I labor. I labor more abundantly than they all, yet not I, but the grace of God in me. Man, grace produces good works. Amen? Then 1 Corinthians 3, verse 8. Now he who plants and he who waters are one, and each one will receive his own what? Reward according to his own what? Listen, guys, if you think that you get to heaven that it's socialism up there, You are deceived. It's not equal opportunity employer up there. I got news for you. In the kingdom, some of us are going to be handed a a palm leaf and a robe. And and some of us are going to rule and reign with Jesus. I got news for you. There are rewards. In fact, you can read, read 1 Corinthians 3. Some people are saved, yet so as by fire. They take nothing there. They take nothing with them. Listen, my greatest reward is reaching the people that God's assigned me to reach. And there are people that he's assigned to you that I can't reach. Andrew can't reach. The Lord needs you. We need you. But you know what? We need you to work. Hallelujah. You're not working for it. You're just working because of it. It's, it's, it's different. It's a distinction. Hebrews 6.10, for God is not unrighteous to forget your work and your labor of love which you've sown toward his name and you've ministered to the saints and do minister. Listen, guys, um, there's work involved in getting this message out. Grace is not a divine ticket to passivity, laziness, and irresponsibility. Grace is not an excuse to yield to the flesh, but it's rather empowerment to walk in the Spirit. Grace is not a cop-out from obedience, but rather it's a catalyst to obedience. Grace doesn't make obedience unnecessary. Grace makes obedience possible. Wow. You know, I, I uh, I don't have time to go into 
much more detail other than just to say this. Jesus, he, he said, I have finished the work that you gave me to do. Did he not? And then, and then and on the cross he said, it's finished. It's finished. The Apostle Paul said, I've finished my course. And one, another place in, I think that's 2 Timothy chapter 4, another place in Acts, he said, I finished my course with joy, my race with joy. Amen? They finished their race, guys. Other apostles have finished their course. But what about you? What about you? You know what? You're still here. And you've got a course. You've got a race to run. And you know what? It's more important uh, things to be done than just making money. I was, I was in business making loads of money. I was an up and outer, not a down and outer. And, and I was counting money. I had stacks of $100 bills in, an, in, a, in, a, in a safe deposit box that was my security. And I would count it every Monday morning. And that was my security. And I, and I was counting money one day, and I heard that song, that, that old song from Peggy Lee, and I didn't even like Peggy Lee. <laughs> but I heard that song come up, Is That All There Is? And I knew, I knew in a moment that my life was mo- meant to be more than just about making money, counting money. Though, Hey, look, I've been rich, I've been poor, rich is better. More, more options and, and, and more, oper- more also more temptations. But anyway, um, I mean, I, I, I just got it in my, my heart. I knew I, I knew I was meant for something more. And you know what? The same thing is true about you. Are you doing what God called you to do? Could you guys put that map up there now? Could you put that map up? This is... This is a map of uh, some of our present-day extension schools. Uh, we've got 34 extension schools worldwide, and um, we will be starting another six or seven uh, in the next within the next six months or so. And and listen, that's great, isn't it? But man, look at that map. That's empty. I mean, we're just making a small dent. Now, thank God for what we're doing. But look, by each one of those dots, we need, we need one or two or three more churches. You know, the number one need there is in the body of Christ today is we need grace and faith churches all over this globe. And you could go by an extension school where an extension school is. You've got a built-in uh, congregation that are looking for... for uh, uh, someone that teaches what Andrew teaches. Look, look, guys, where is your place on this map? We need you, but we need you to be established in the right message, the finished work of the cross, and not run out ahead before you're established. But we need you. Jesus needs you in the field. He needs you with the right message, but he also needs you working. Getting off your hands. Doing something. Amen? Listen, guys. God's got a purpose for you. He's called you. He's anointed you. He wants to equip you. And He wants to send you. 
if, you'll, if, you, if you will allow us and give the Lord and us two or three years of your life, we will establish your heart with this nearly too good to be true news of the finished work of the cross and we'll train you and identify you, help you to identify and fulfill your specific kingdom assignment that will transform people and change their lives. Amen? Amen. I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Isaiah 6, 8, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? Then I said, Here am I. Send me. Don't let that little philosopher in your head keep you from the most exciting, fulfilling challenge of your life. Amen? Amen. Blessings, guys. Love you all. You know, one of the strengths of Karis Bible College is the fact that we have all of these different ministers that everybody has the same heart, the same revelation, but a different experience and a different way of approaching it. And together, uh, you just look at something from so many different angles that it gives you a better understanding. And I just appreciate Greg and every one of our instructors. And I tell you, it is a powerful, powerful thing that God has done here. So that's awesome. So this is our 20-minute break, isn't it? So we will be back at 1010. So this will give you 20 minutes to do what you need to do, and then we'll come back, and we've got Stephen Bransford ministering. You are going to love Stephen Bransford. So God bless you. We'll take a break.